some Gary Crit. What is up? What is up? What is up, podcast people? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jared. You you and already know what it is. You know who we are. Welcome to Scary Crit. But if you know you what's going on hello, here. Welcome in. What an episode to join us this week. Yeah, have a seat. Take a load off your feet. Get cozy. But yeah, this is Scary Crit, where we critique horror, blackness, and all the little intersections in between. Oh, you know, because there's so many. So uh, how are you this week? What's going on in your it's, neck of the woods? I've had a good week, actually. Work was like kind of crazy, but you know when you get into that rhythm of like, I got this because I'm a boss, even though I don't want to be. <laughs> I can handle all of these things. That's kind of how I felt this week. Um, and Alexa, then I got to hang out with Cinder. Play boss by the Carters. I'm trying to tell you because that's how I felt. <laughs> I felt. And then I got to hang out with Cinder. Cinder. I got to. We went boxing on Saturday with Sierra. Y'all are so funny because Creed Three boxing. I I see. I see what's going on here. And I was judged because. We're doing a boxing class. And beforehand, I was like, oh, I have nails. Oh, my goodness. That's the worst thing because that's what I get nervous like at the gym because I'm like, I have these. You see, I have the, my nails. And I just say, oh, goodness, because it, it, oh, bruising them and breaking them hurts real bad. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, and yeah. And these is expensive. I am not trying. But they're not cheap. Okay. <laughs> they are not and then, cheap. Of course, and Jennifer does good work. I Mine are long. Oh yeah, you've never had you've never long. had one. They're about they look about as long as mine. And, and here um, we are. I mean, almonds are, is now a way of life for me. Yours are oval now. They're almond, yeah. Almond. Mine are more. Yours are sharper. Like, they yeah, they definitely are. I'd be asking Jennifer. I'm like sharp, Jennifer, sharp, because <laughs> I just I like that shape. It does something for me. But because um, I was square, and then Katya was like, "Girl, just do almond. You'll 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 never go back." And I was like, "I trust you." Yes, and Here I we think, are. <laughs> I feel like I started out as almond, but I, I, I kept asking for them sharper. So they're like a hybrid between stiletto and almond. Like they're, they have the shape of stiletto, but they're not super, super sharp to where they're slow. Because like that, but then I get, I don't know, like they're because their points, they're pointy, but they're kind of rounded a little bit. But I want them pointier. Like I just got them done, and they're still not as pointy as I like them. So next time I go, but the but it's it's hard though because when I ask her to do, you know, make them like sharp, she has to really file, and some and sometimes it like it can be dangerous when she really gets in there, like in the. Like mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. y'all people who get their nails done, y'all know what I'm talking about. Where she really gets in there with the file, and it can be a little oof. But um, I still like these, and I got a new um, I tried a new base color. I usually get like this very um, like this very natural translucent pink. It mm-hmm. like it just it is so pretty. But I wanted to do like a like that but i want to do white like a milky translucent white i found the perfect color and i have um and the french is like black and then i have you know my little wisp of silver for the sparkle but if they look i don't think you i see but they're very I pretty didn't. Yeah, I, this I might you be mind my like slytherin inspired avada kedavra nail oh my god because you're the you were yeah you were the first person the moment you got your wand and walked in through the halls. You were just about to start using the oh, unforgivables 
on people. You and my brother both, that's what he was saying, that he was just going in there to wreck shit. And I'm just like, y'all couldn't wait to be dark wizards, could you? You right. But I'm glad to hear that you went boxing and you had a really good week and that you were a boss because you are one with your new Mm. almond nails of the green. Feel it. I love it. Um, I had a good week. Um, my my boss is his schedule has been so crazy, and you know, because I'm an, I'm his executive assistant, so I'm like the I'm like the gatekeeper. I am trying so hard to guard this man's time, and mm-hmm. he's like being pulled and ripped everywhere, and he barely has time to you know like actually do work because he's going to all these meetings, and I'm just trying to figure out like. How do we find the balance? Yeah. Yeah. But what I love about um, our relationship and our communication is like, we actually can sit and talk about it and try to work it out and figure it out. And like, I can ask him questions and, um, you know, he can lean on me. So it's very, it's just, it's just, um, it's difficult because the, a lot of these meetings are very important and it's stuff that has to be done and has to be talked about, but it's also like, how is he going to have time to actually um, do his part of the work mm-hmm. um, outside of these discussions and, and do the stuff that people are asking of him or expecting of him. And it's just, it's, it's, it's difficult right now. Cause you know, as we, as we're getting close to the summer, we have all these things. So it's just, I'm, I'm just trying to, figure out, you know, how to be the boss, you know, of that um, for my boss, while also, of course, working with him. Because the last thing I want to do is step on his toes during like a very difficult, um, where it's just very, very busy. But um, it was, work was good this week. Um, I listened to the album Vespertine by Bjork for the first time. It's an album that I think that's all the way from 2001. It's so it's not new at all, but, and I'm not new to Bjork's music, um, but I just, um, I think um, Hidden Place showed up on one of my um, like playlists on Apple Music um, or showed up my recommended and I just really loved the song. Um, didn't make the connection that SZA had sampled it in Forgiveless, which is her last song on SOS. Mm-hmm. But um, I listened to the whole album on my commute to work on, I think, Wednesday. And it's just such a, um, it's it's such a um, engrossing soundscape. Like, I just, I really, like, on the subway, I was just very absorbed into the music. And Bjork's music is very, like, how do I say this, like otherworldly and cinematic and like different and out there. But I, so I was just like thinking of all these different, like, cause you know, I do music videos in my head when I listen to music uh, or movies. And I felt like this is just very like, Oh, I was in a different world listening to this album. I really liked it. Like um, hidden place cocoon. Um, I think one of the songs was, was it frozen? And that was just like an instrumental piece. It's a great album. I just, and she said it was like a, her album before that was very like loud and like very outside. And she said Vespertine is more like um a home album, like an inside, like you like a uh a, a going home to solitude and solace album. And I really like that. And when you listen to that, it makes sense. So I really like that album a lot. Hmm. Um 
I, for this weekend, you know, I thought, you know, I, you know, I don't really go out or whatever the fuck. So I was just, you know, in here, whatever, trying to decide what to do. And you know what, um, the spirit possessed me to do at one in the morning. What's that? I filed my taxes. (laughs) I was just like, my W-2s are literally right here. I'm still up. Why not? Yes. Yes. So I was just like, just be an adult. Let's wrap it up. Um, and so I just, I got on there and I filed, they're done. They're sent. It's over. I did it. We don't have to think about it. No more. Thank you. Congratulations. You are the you winner, are the winner of, of this week's challenge. Of filing your taxes <laughs> way before the deadline. You did it. So I feel very good about that. Cause I was just like, what am I waiting for? So I just did it and it felt really good. Cause now I don't have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, so let's just hop into the Con. That was a very... Whoa long opening so let's see if we can keep the negronomicon keep it moving keep it relatively short let's see let's see if we can do it kids um so So last week all of our instagram feeds and twitter feeds and social media feeds were set ablaze set ablaze by the new black sketch comedy film that is set to release this summer what is it june 16th on like on the weekend of Juneteenth, but it's uh, but it's uh, it was it was inspired by a sketch. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but it's not a sketch comedy movie. Oh no, sorry, it's just a comedy. Yes, comedy horror. Yes. Um, the official title is the Blackening, but all the people that look like us are calling it that. We can't all die first because that's what the poster said. I am calling it the Blackening because if you look at the poster, the Blackening is right there in the red at the bottom. Right Ain't above. nobody looking it, at the it, bottom. It's I, like big white letters in front and behind so, all of the main cast. We can't all die first. So this, okay, okay. <laughs> so this might be a marketing faux pas because the tagline is significantly bigger than the title. It is also in white, which is very eye-catching. But and, when the poster is black. Or blue or some whatever the dark color is. It's not. I just I just I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say that um, the tagline would have made a great title. And I do agree. I do. But the title is the blackening. Blackening is stupid. But that's the name of the sketch it's based on. And guess what? What? It's stupid. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. That's a dumb name. It's uh, dumb. Uh, but it's, it's based dumb. on. Okay, so the synopsis is, um, you know, you get uh, you get a group of black friends. I got go it. To a, I got the I got the synopsis. Synopsis. You want me to read it? I was just gonna give it. Like I was gonna give it. Oh, go give give. Okay, so you got um a group of black friends who go to a cabin in the woods um for to celebrate Juneteenth and they find a board game in a game room in the house called the Blackening and then they realize you know that in order to save their friends and themselves they're going to have to um going by the rules of the game interrogate um each other's blackness <laughs> for survival so the movie already is a satire Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is going to be a, I feel like, unpacking discussion analysis on a bunch of tropes 
of horror movies that involve black people, um, particularly the one that you know we just said, you know, where in horror movies the black character is usually the one to die first. That is not true. <laughs> I did research. I have the notebooks to prove it. The most in in slashers, it's a thing, right? Um, and not even in slashers, because like Jurassic Park, the first person that we see die is a black security guard. That whole thing, I think, is culturally true, but statistically, it is inaccurate. I'm sorry. <laughs> but culturally, culturally, it's a thing that I'm not mad at. So that's what I'm talking about. We talking about the culture. We talking about the culture. We talking I about just, the way he had the gun like this. But the Urkel friend turned it like this. I died. (laughs) That that was what got me. We talking about all the sugar being poured into the Kool-Aid and her like kind of giving a um made my teeth hurt. Jesus. What would Rosa Parks do? Like all these things. Maybe we should. (laughs) I am I am very excited. Now I will admit that I got nervous. When um, the poster for the film was revealed and they were saying the trailer was coming tomorrow, because I'm like, uh, in the back of my head, I'm like, what if this is stereotypes or it just falls flat or it feels like, you know, this is Black comedy for white audiences? And y'all know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I am always concerned because... Because, right, I feel like in my heart of hearts, I want this to be really good, but I have been disappointed before. <laughs> yes. So we're a little, we're a little, we're a little cautious. We're a little, you know, like it's, it's there. But for, based on what I saw, I did laugh watching but the, the trailer. The director. Tracy Oliver? Uh-uh, no, Tim Story. Uh, Tim Story. Sorry. Tracy Oliver helped write it. He directed Think Like a Man. Barbershop and Taxi. Barbershop alone has the wanting to give him like the green light. But he also did, I think he did Shaft. He did Taxi. I love Taxi was so goddamn funny. He did Ride Along. He's done a lot of stuff with Kevin Hart. Okay, right. Yeah. And okay, that's when I'm like, "Mm." right. This ride along streak, I'm like, "Mm." it could go, it could go either way. Either way, either way. Um, and then the writers, the writers, Tracy Oliver, I trust because Tracy Oliver did Girls Trip. Tracy Oliver does Harlem, The Upshaws, Amber Ruffin Show, The First Wives, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Brooklyn Nine Nine. She did Little, that movie with um, yes, Marseille Martin and Issa. So I think that the writing is there. Oh wait, because, wait, 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 wait! You, you, oh wait, you were talking about Tracy Oliver? Yeah. I'm sorry. When I was saying, okay, so that was okay. Hold on, because I was on Dwayne Perkins' page. <laughs> oh no, Tracy Oliver wrote Girls Trip, wrote wrote, and I love Harlem. Harlem uh-huh. is so good. Um, and did Little, and then she did the first. She's doing the first wives, blah blah blah, first wives club reboot thing on BET with all the black women. Dwayne Perkins, who is a black gay male, is has done has appeared on Wild and Out, but he's also done Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, The Saved by the Bell, uh, re 
would this be a remake or re- yeah, the revival? Remake. Yeah. Um, he also did the Amber Reference show, the Upshaws, and of course, this one. Now, Tracy Oliver, I trust her. Tracy Oliver, whatever she does, I watch. I'm in there, you know? I, and Dwayne Perkins also has some good has some good credits here. I mean, uh, no. It's also okay. Dwayne wrote it and is in it. He's in it. Oh, well, look at that. Oh, yeah, because he's okay. Okay. That, but don't we love, don't we? That's going to be us <laughs> writing and also, well, hold on. I don't, I can't, I'm not a professional actor, but I would love you to be in like something. I don't know. Do like, it. put me, put me in, um, where Christopher John Rogers, give me my sparkly suit. Let's do this. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do a, I'll do one for Magic Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I, based on their credits, I I just I think it'll be fine. Yes. That's what I want that's what I want to say. And the trailer was very funny. I loved all the um the cultural um what what's the word I'm looking for? Um references? Yes, cultural references and displays in there. Um But I like I appreciate the fact that this is a true horror situation. We're in a cabin in the woods and we've addressed it. We've gone into the basement where the Negronomicon normally is uh-huh. and found a, a similar cursed item. Right. Do you, do you see how it was? Um, the antagonist looks like a um, it, minstrel. Uh, minstrel. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, because when I when I saw the face, I reacted just like they did. I said, yeah, oh, same. hell no. <laughs> see, and that's what I'm talking about, because, you know. That is so, that is such a natural react. Like, I love that. I love that. You know, I don't like things that are on the nose. That from the trailer, that was my biggest, that was my biggest gripe Mm -hmm. of like, we are laying this on so thick. Yeah. Cause the movie is very, the is very like on your, on the nose, black, like playing the spades. Although I'm excited for that. And Juneteenth and the disc. Like, I'm just like, because like to to what you said before, is this for us, or is this for other people to segue into us? No, I really I want to believe this time it is Fubu. I really do for us by. I us. am waiting though on the twist that the killer is one of the friends. <laughs> That's what I want. Oh, you think it's gonna be a, a scream thing? It's always mm-hmm. someone you know. It's always someone you know. But we'll see. We'll see we'll when see. they. Put the tickets out. You know we got to be in Magic Johnson for this one. Oh, who? Yo, I'm already. I already planned that. I already made plans. I'm. All, I just. I just need a date for when tickets go on sale. You, me, Brandon, we gonna be in that. It's Everybody gonna be gonna lit. Go. It's going Hopefully, I'm hoping this will rival my get out experience. Because I've also, been public service announcement. Hello, AMC. Hello, owners of the Magic Johnson AMC in Harlem. We are frequent flyers of your business. <laughs> if you would like to support us. Oh my God. Not the not the sponsor call. Please sponsor this podcast. We love you. We go all the time. We buy snacks. We get there on time. We take our seat. We don't, we don't, we <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Scary Crit and AMC Magic Johnson 9. When? When? It's call us. I'm We're sure available. you have a room that we could record this podcast in. Wow. That's all I'm saying. 
one oh, we only made it like two hours <laughs> on a Sunday. I'm so excited though for this. Like, um, I just like we're we're gonna go get our snacks. I have a good time. Go to the Sugar Monk afterwards. We will be making a reservation because yeah, because we haven't been and <laughs> we begin we walked in. Our little teeth. We walked in. They're just like, "Well, this table do," and we're like, "I guess." I guess. Oh, <laughs> when we, we were right the by the, the last time. we were right Ugh. by the door, <laughs> and we I didn't we didn't get to see that um the cute bartender who was no. so nice. But we got the pita yeah. bread. That hummus was good. Oh my god, it was so good. Mm-hmm. I damn near stabbed my uvula though because the pita chip was so sharp but i just shoved it back there it just ouch but yes uh the blackening comes out june 16th um tickets will most likely go on sale around that time in may so probably yeah. around may 15th 16th keep your eyes out get your tickets uh know your group who you going with like because roll deep with this movie y'all like it's going to be I think it's going to be a really good time. I'm very Same. excited for it. Um, so here's and, hoping. Here's hoping for the best. Yeah, I I think I think it'll be good. And um, Yvonne Orgy at the end trying to sound threatening. <laughs> That's, two DMX. That's me. That's me. Like two, two DMX. Like like because I can't I can't do it. I have to really try hard to like make my voice like deep and gruff. Like I intentionally. It's like I have to like really like. Okay, let's, you know, because it just, it doesn't happen automatically. I'm not one of those people who can, because I've seen it before, where some people can like, Hey, what's up? Exactly. I can't do that. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) I don't have that power. I don't. I always sound like um, customer service or, you know, it just, it doesn't work like that for me. So there we go. Um, but the second page Negronom Con is our fave. Well, my fave, Jonathan Majors. And everyone else's fave, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> um, I just I just need you, I just want you to know. I need to reiterate for you because you seem to have forgotten. You were engaged. <laughs> you back off. <laughs> okay. As a single you woman. Shut up. As a single woman, Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan and uh, Florian Montinu, those are all for me. So you go on over there. And look. (laughs) Thank you. And Creed, of all movies, is the movie to look. Creed 3 was great. We both saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went Friday at the IMAX. You know how I I usually do, y'all. Where'd you go? We went today at the the Regal on 14th Street because magically it's still open. All right. I need to know the tea. Are y'all closed or not? Because I can't be getting my hopes up if y'all are going to stay. Like, let me know because I will go. I yeah. miss that theater. I'm going to keep going until there's no more tickets. Because I thought it was just going to be. It was just going to be. So I don't know. Anyways. But, but it was a it was a really good time um, to prepare I um rewatched um well hold one on and two. So I I rewatched one. I had I had I had I hadn't seen it since the first time I watched it in theaters way back in 2015, back in Colorado. Um and then I, I had never watched Creed 2 for some reason. Mm. I never watched Creed 2, but they're both available on HBO Max. Look at that. So I on oh no, on Friday actually, um I watched both before before going. And 
I just really like throughout the entire trilogy how well done the character development is mm-hmm. for not only um, Adonis but Bianca as well. Yeah, like the way they both grew as characters and as people and in their careers yeah i love that it just it felt so organic and um the continuity was crazy yeah like i I, like they really paid attention yes i just i really 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 enjoyed that because it it really made the trilogy feel very well tied together um and the third one was it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. It's the shortest of the trilogy. Um and the one and the first one that does not um that does not contain Have Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, as Rocky Balboa. Yeah. But honestly, um the story didn't need him. Yeah. I think that there's a moment in franchises, especially when they've been rebooted, that the original cast and characters need to be there in the beginning to validate the reboot, right? It's that stamp of approval of, no, I, I who was the center of this, approve this new take on it, right? And I think that there's a point where we grow past that. And this third creed grew past that. He didn't need to be there because I still think that you felt the, the presence, rocky yeah. presence yeah. in it because it's it's intrinsically that right it's intrinsically Sylvester Stallone you can't have a rocky a boxing movie and not think about him but you could tell that the, the that the he took up the space that that was there for him to take up in his absence and he wasn't missing so he wasn't yeah and i like how you use the word growth because i think that has been a constant in the entire trilogy it's always been about growth growth like throughout each movie there have been growing there have been growing pains and changes and career moves mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. and, like the donnie that you meet in creed 3 is so different from the donnie that you're introduced to um way back in 2015 and in, in mm-hmm. creed and mm-hmm. i just and i love that because again it, it felt very organic it felt very realistic because this donnie has now retired after mm-hmm. being like the most successful boxer in the world he is now a father um and he just has a different set of and he's now managing other he's trying he's trying right. to like bring right. up the next generation he's on the of, business side yes the, the mentoring is, side mm-hmm. i loved it i love because because that's what it is you're you you start off hungry you make the climb you get the success and then you switch to giving back there right. there's this thing and it, it was i learned it in psychology way back freshman year of college where um it's not it's not the hierarchy of needs, but it's like a different triangle where, and it goes by age group where after you get into like your 40 or so, I forget what, is it called fulfillment or something? But it's like where you pivot and then you start doing this thing where um, now that you, you've gotten to in your life or have you, um, is this the part where you turn around and you give back or you try to, you use your means to, do something for your community or others mm-hmm. to lift them up. And that's where Donnie is, which is clear when um um oh god, what was Donnie's major's character's name? <laughs> Dom. Okay, when Dom, Dom gets and out. Dom. 
yeah, when <laughs> when uh so when um Dame Dame Damien Dame. Damien. Diamond Dame, Diamond Dame. Yep, Diamond Dame. When Dame gets out, that becomes more clear because, you know, he feels responsible. Um, But that's why I think, so to to pull back just a little bit, right? I have never thought that Michael B. Jordan was like an actor, actor. You know what I mean? Like, he's like Will Smith. He's good in things, but he's mostly just him the same time. He's mostly just him in different movies. Like, oh yeah, Will Smith was in iRobot. Will Smith was in... Aladdin and Will Smith mm-hmm. was in mm-hmm. Wild Wild West, but he mm-hmm. was always Will Smith, right? Like that's Michael B. Jordan as an actor, I feel. Mm-hmm. So even though I felt that way about him about acting, this directorial moment. Oh yes, because Creed Three was also his direct um, his directorial debut, and I what a debut! Not, man, I'm not mad at any of the creative decisions that he decided to make with this moment. And it was so good. Arguably, this is the best acting I've seen of him. Yes, I was just going to say, because I would say this and um, even though it was a, and this is spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it, but y'all should have seen it by now. It's been out since November. Um, I would say this and Wakanda Forever. Because even though he made it like a cameo, I felt like those were his best best. acting that we've seen yet. Like, Mm -hmm. and this one, I was, because like I said, he's, I think it's different when you've grown with these characters for as long as he has like as as he's been adonis creed since because they probably filmed this into creed in 2014 so he's been adonis for like nine years now yeah yeah so he would so you would really get you would really get close and understand like to the bones of this character and i felt even with himself because michael b is um 36 i Mm. think and it's probably at that age where he he would probably like to be like Adonis, have children, settle down, all these things. So I feel like he, Adonis's storyline and his life maybe are kind of running parallel to each other where there's some relations that he can um, not, not only inject, but um, also feel himself. And so he's able to more accurately direct that or portray that on screen and just the way that he not only understood these characters but um he his uh the creative influences he was talking about because he was saying he loves and i think this is for um a lot of black men everywhere where um he especially like 90s babies he loves anime or some 80s babies too but he loves anime like he grew up on it he loves it you can see it visually yes yes yes. like during him and then um what's my man's name you love him no kugler no attack the block oh um wow hold on what's your name handsome what is your name John Boyega. Yes, John Boyega. John Boyega did the same thing when he directed Pacific Rim. It was, you could tell that he grew up watching anime and used those very specific references to define the way that the fights looked and the pacing of the fights, right? And the the strength in which the the monsters would fight back and, and the intelligence in which they would fight back. I think in Creed specifically, because the fight scenes are so iconic, 
to to make that minor visual change change the way that the fight was used as a plot device. Right. And, Wait. And, you said that No, uh he produced um Pacific Rim Uprising. He didn't direct it. But that but okay, he didn't direct it. He produced it, but he still put that creative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing out there of that's what he wanted the fight scenes to be modeled after. Got you. Got you. He was in it. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah, he was in it. And with Creed, um and with with Creed three, like you were saying about um where it's evident in the fight scenes, like the camera work and the the slow motion and the like the focus on the eyes, like the close up on the faces, like I thought that was so because it didn't. And I, I saw I saw the critiques coming hot on the timeline where people were saying, "Oh, that's corny and all that stuff." But I'm just like, no, no, no. Let somebody take something they love and be inspired by it and have it influence their work in a very beautiful, creative way. Because I felt that took away nothing from the movie. If no, anything, it, it got people it. more hype. Right. Like there was some, there was some very, very well done shots in that film or sequences mm-hmm. that you could tell was like very inspired by anime, mm-hmm. but it just, it, that just made us more, that just made it more exciting. It was like the, the Akira shot um, yeah. in Nope last year yep. with Kiki on the bike. Mm-hmm. Like congratulations to Kiki and her man, by the way, she gave birth to a uh, baby boy recently. Did you know that? Super black name. Mm-hmm. I just cannot wait for when she's in the living room and he's um, on the other side of the house and she says, um, wow, how do you pronounce it? Is it Leotis? Leotis. <laughs> Come so change bad. this channel. <laughs> Come bring me the remote. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's only fair. It's like a rite of passage. But um, yes, I just, I, I really, I really enjoyed But what I really loved about the movie was, um, I, the theme of black men opening up of but black- I I latched on to the overarching plot of it takes a lot of energy to untangle the past. Yes. And to explain it and dive deep into it and try to reconcile from it because you can't, right? You can't change the decisions that you made. You can't change the mistakes that you've made. And what does it mean to move on? Because it means something different from every for everybody, right? And mm-hmm. just because you're able to get past it, what does that mean? Even if you if if you fail and succeed, what does that mean? <laughs> it was a one of my favorite scenes of the film was um when it is Bianca and Adonis in I think his mom's room. And she's explaining to him that because in the in this film, her progressive hearing loss has gotten to a point where um, she can no longer perform. Mm-hmm. She can no longer sing live because she can't hear properly enough to do it. So she has um, pivoted to producing for other artists. Um, one of them in the film was, no, that would be spoilers. I'll, I'll save that for y'all to watch. But um so she was saying that how she was very sad, but had to make peace with the fact that her dream didn't turn out the way that she wanted it to, but yet she's trying to make the most of what it is now. 
And I thought that was such a very um, transparent and refreshing conversation to have um, as, because as we're basically, th- you're, you're in your thirties, I'm turning 30 in December. Um, these characters are definitely in their thirties. I would say they're probably this, uh, Bianca and uh, Adonis are probably like between um, 35 and 37. I want to say. So they're in their mid thirties. And it's just like this, it was just a very, it spoke to me because um, you, you try so hard to do the thing that you want to do. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And yet you're still successful. You're just not successful in the way that you originally planned. And even though it breaks your heart, you still have to, you know, accept it and then try to make the most of what it is now. And I just thought that was it. Bianca is really one of my favorite characters in those. And I think she is my favorite character in all those films because I just love how she she not only supports Adonis and like all that he does, but she really encourages him to think differently. Yeah. And to and to be better in a multiple in a multitude of ways, um, because she's also doing the work herself. Um, so I really enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoyed how Creed, the first one, was about proving himself, proving oneself. He was trying to say, "I want to, I want to prove that I'm not a mistake." The second one was he was trying to avenge his father's um and i think that was a tale of both of them drago's son and adonis they were both trying to avenge their father's legacies and their pride and all these things and um this third one was about like you said um detangling from the past i mean but it's like when when you lay it out like plot one plot two plot three He's never had to think about himself. He's never had to address Adonis Creed has never had to think about Adonis Creed, right? He was worried about his daddy. He was worried about his mama. He was worried about the fact that nobody loved him. (laughs) And when you have to sit down and look at yourself in the mirror and, and go through all of your internal histories, that is work. That is work that you have to do when you become an adult. And it's hard. It is hard that yeah, doing it, doing the inner work, and how I feel like um, Dame and Adonis were mirrors to each other, and what that means to like look at yourself and like because like that fight wasn't just like them fighting each other. I feel like it was fighting. Uh, and then they, I'm like, y'all are really out here working out your shit because you don't know how to talk to each other. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm yes, like, and and that's yes, what that was. That's what, yeah. And I got really emote because I'm like, damn, because like a lot of people don't have the tools to talk about this stuff, right? So that that moment, I'm like, yeah. And then everybody's like, yeah, that's corny, that's corny. But the, the only, I think you could only see that from watching, like the anime that we watched because mm-hmm. that's the only place I've ever seen shots like that. Yeah. It's that, like that goes back and forth between yeah. the internal struggle and the external action of what's happening. And that was necessary for this story to happen. Yeah. Um, 
even the small things though of like him wearing white and dame wearing black <laughs> oh yeah just the little narrative things the they're always thing. there um i just i really and i, I just but yeah and this uh you know detangling your past and um embracing your present and trying to walk into the future with like these open arms but you know how hard that can be because of how messy your past is yes and then and trying to open up and talk about it because what i what i also love about the creed movies is their handling unpacking and um really vulnerable and tender display of black masculinity um, or masculinity in general, but as it pertains to the black men, you know, uh, you because um, Adonis, Michael B. Jordan, they're black men. So, that in whole... a way that Rocky did not explore exactly because Rocky was only really about the you know Rocky the... was a love story. Adrian, <laughs> Adrian, I love you. <laughs> um, but with Creed, I just because one of my favorite things, and I keep saying that one of my favorite things though about the whole trilogy is the fact that they do not shy away from showing black men crying. Yeah. 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 Cause Michael B. Jordan as Adonis cried in every movie of the Creed series. And it got me each time. Cause I'm just not, especially with, um, cause these are, this is a, this is a man who is built like a tank who does fighting for sport and it's just this all right, and it's angry and so you just so they're not allowed to cry. They're not allowed the the space and the you know to be. And so in the third one where um they have that argument and she's just like, um, Adonis, you have to talk. If not to me, then to someone, because you have to let this out. You have to like you have to talk. Like and I just and I loved how they gave these black male characters the room and the space to actually open up unravel and let it out mm-hmm. and um like it just it really got me because in the second one it was with uh with victor drago uh played by florian uh, Montino. like his whole thing was um abandoned by his mom abandoned by like their community and realizing like what the hell are you fighting for like who and who are you outside of all this fighting like um is this the only way to make your dad happy like uh, the way i felt sorry for that man mel uh, the second one is my favorite because that one just really got me on a on a on like a very because it's just like it's not fair to both of these to both adonis who is fighting for because his dad died in the ring and then for drago who this is the only life he knows and it's just like and is this is this his only way to feel love it was just very and i love how drago came back to help adonis in the third one so they they like bonded and became so i just really love the the vulnerable aspect of masculinity the brotherhood aspect of it um the the embracing of letting these men cry and like feel their feels and like sit in it with each other or you know by themselves i just so i really i think those these movies are very well done and, and important for what they do um for like um 
masculinity and how stringent it can be, but also revealing like it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, you know? yeah. So there's a duality. Yes, thank you. That there is a duality. There, there are two two sides to the coin. There are two sides to the coin. So I just I really appreciate these movies for what they are and what they've done. And um, the the directors each time have hit it out the park. Um, I really enjoyed how the Kuglers were involved in helping um, Michael B with this one because um, you know Ryan did the first one. He directed it. Uh, this mm-hmm. was before Black Panther. So and I feel I wonder if this is what helped get him Black Panther between this and Fruitvale Station. Oh God! I can only I have only watched that movie once. One time in the theaters, never watching it. Again. I can't do it. I don't know. I can't do it. I can't do it. But um, yes, y'all, Creed Three is out, and the marketing campaign has been brilliant because you have seen these men, these men everywhere. Um, the way that both um Creed and Creed Two are available on HBO Max and also m- multiple streaming platforms to watch like readily available and probably advertise, you know, Creed 3 being out in theaters. Like the people who did the marketing did not drop the ball and had a flawless rollout because this movie already grossed 100 million opening weekend. Which is amazing. Like I hope Michael B. Jordan is like patting himself on the back because you did that. And I really hope that you're proud of yourself. I love the film and I am glad to, you know, live in the place you come from because he is also from newark new jersey oh i didn't know that i know it's so crazy like he's from here whitney's from here queen latifah's from here um shaq is from here that's crazy so all this black excellence in a place that i now live so cheers (laughs) okay and that was neganom con which was a very long one um almost an hour well no 30 minutes whatever I'll have fun editing. We'll see. We'll We'll just get to it. So now we are going to dive into the crit of this week. And But first, you know, as we usually do with this season of tropes, we have to explain the trope to you first. Mel, take it away. So the trope this week is all um, humans are the real monsters. Are all monsters are human. All monsters are human. This, This idea. I think the best way to ground it, because you know it's my favorite reference ever, is Scooby Doo. <laughs> you know, and I actually referred it to that in my notes. In every, so usually it's like a sci-fi trope thing. You can think X Men, right? Mm-hmm. And in in the sci-fi realm, it's like we'll be in space or we'll be someplace where there's mutants or whatever. And as an audience member, you're like, wow, there's all these threats. There's an alien, there's a monster, there's a mutant that can make sparklers come out of her hands. And the worst people in this universe are still the humans. They are the most jacked up people in the episode, in the story arc, on the planet, period. Um, Like I said, Scooby-Doo, every time there was a monster or we thought there was a monster gag reveal at the end. We were gooped. The mask came off and it was the miner from before. Mr. Withers put on a mask because he was rejected or jaded or was trying to steal some money. Right. The creepy janitor. <laughs> um, other places that we've seen it. Just a really quick list. Fern Gully. I always think of when I think about the monsters are really human. 
um, Pompoco, Dragon Ball Z had a whole episode about it in the middle of an arc that was actually called The Evil of Men, Ooh. Planet of the Apes, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away. Like these are all very classical examples of the time times when the human people in the story are the worst, period. Or are causing the most damage. Oh, let's not forget about it. Another movie that I've only seen once. Um, Queen and Slim. I hate that movie. But it's but a perfect yeah. example for, you know, for all, all of the people human. who are the most awful people. Because the way the- that got, oh man. So, Still hate it till this day. I think the thing that is the best about this trope is that it is always a really good surprise when done well because since from the dawn of time the whole thing when you're little you are taught what a monster is right we know there's a creepy clown under the basement there's a ghost in the closet there is something non-human that wants to do you harm there's a werewolf there's a vampire, there's a ghost, there's a demon, there's there's a something that is separate from you and, and beings that, that are in the same category as you that is actively trying to cause you emotional or physical harm, right? And that is what we ingrain ourselves to think a monster is. So when it's flipped on its head and the monster isn't the monster, right? And the human, the person that you're supposed to be able to identify with is the one that is causing the physical and emotional harm. It, it creates this weird tension in your body because you want to still identify with the person who looks like you, but then you can't, right? And now it forces you to identify with the person or with the thing that you assumed based purely on the way that they looked was going to be the aggressor in this situation. I think another really good example of this trope that kind of fits within the film that we're talking about is um, Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. Because Dolores Umbridge, I think, is the most hated character in all of Harry Potter. Because based upon her visual, you think that she is going to have a specific personality that she is not (laughs) she's a terrible person she's a terrible human being whatever but because of who we think she should be it makes it when when you find out that she's not it makes it worse but she isn't what you wanted her to be the way order of the phoenix is my favorite book out of the whole series and that character stuck out as one of the most memorable um and um oh god what's the word like she was such an antagonist like she even was like up there right with old Valdi because it's just like how can someone be so evil like the the what was it the what is it called the blood quill was that was that what it was called yeah yeah oh no the um the black quill and realizing what was happening to his hand when he wrote it, the way that she just slapped him, or I'll never forget reading um, where they were talking to um, 
serious um through like flu powder in the fireplace mm-hmm. but then her hand just because er- the way that scene oh my god the way it was written was just so anyway but yes but even though she's, way, she was dressed in pink and the, all and these girly so colors high. and it's so and high and gr- it's just, on the plates nah, 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 nah. but that's not who she no. is in inside no Ron talking about Ron talking about what a load of waffle and Hermione's like there was a lot of um, information in that waffle, like the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts, yeah. So, but no, and but I, I was in my notes I wrote, but that's exactly how these monsters are able to do the harm they do so effortlessly because they lean into that. Um, that um, expectation and projection of innocence of, oh, it could never be, it could so never so. be this person. Like, they would never do that. They're, look, look at them. Like, Max Luther, you... he what? runs a corporation. He's no. not trying to kill Superman. He would never try to take over the world. No. What? What? Like, what, what was it? What was it called on, on Netflix? The Clovehitch Killer? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the suburban dad? Uh, like, um... oh, he would never. He he's in the church he group. Loves his he, family, he's the Boy Scouts. <laughs> like that's how they do it. They lean into it. They lean into it and they operate. That's the it's a wolves in sheep clothing. They operate under that, and you would and they do it so well. You would never you would never expect it. And if there's any kind of or um uh the lovely bones, mm-hmm. that's a good one. That's, that's a good a one. Really good. That's one. a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, the mm-hmm. lovely bones like. Shout out to Stanley Tucci. Oh my God, he terrified me. Yeah, in that. Yeah. Oof, just chills. Just chills thinking about it. But that's what but they that's do. the tension, right? Yes. That's the tension I was talking about earlier. Yes. When you when you realize that this person who was so seemingly unassuming that you wrote off is really the most dangerous person in the room, mm-hmm. because then it also was like, well, where were my little antennas? <laughs> Where, where was your antennas? Why she was getting robbed in the stove? <laughs> because you, I think that societally, we all like to believe that if we were in a room with someone who was potentially dangerous or not who they said they were, that we could pick up on it, right? But then it'll be like Jeffrey Dahmer, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, he was so quiet. He was such a good neighbor. I would have never thought." That he was in there murdering people. It's news to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> because we don't know people just because we think we know people. Exactly. And the movie di- uh, the movie that we're going to talk about um, also did that very well in the way that um, through camera work and cropping. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Like, and you, that yes. Was the- yes. We're going to get into it. Because- we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. I had to pause the movie and take a walk. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I love these because reactions. I was like, wait a doggone minute. Oh, my wait God. I love it. So, Critters, hold on. Um, So, it's usually me being the one who has never seen the movie that we crit for the week. But this time, this time. it is Miss Mel who has never seen the movie that we are oh critting God. this week. It is awesome um, the cat. 
So I I saw it before. Um, she has never seen it. She watched it for the first time today. And I am very excited to discuss this with her. So the film that we are creating today is from 2020. Mm-hmm. And it is called The Boy Behind the Door. It now, is written and directed by David Charbonner and Justin Powell. Now some trigger warnings um, about this film and also our discussion um it does contain um discussions about um how do i say this child uh, abuse yeah child abuse uh sex trafficking um violence against children in yeah, general violence against, yes uh sexual violence against children specifically if this is not your jam if you are going to be triggered by this content please skip yeah this episode or this part of this episode yeah uh, or uh, and, and, then don't, and probably don't watch the it's because it, the movie is a hard watch it really it's, is yes it's not now i do want to say it's not um graphic in in terms of the um abuse or anything like that um if you've but, seen black phone Okay, that's a good. That's a good. That's one. I think that's a good temperature of yeah, yeah. what it what is alluded to and what is shown. That's a Mel. Thank you for that. That's a really good comparison. So it's not so it's not graphic in that way, um, but it is very. Uh, it's just a very intense and uncomfortable film in those terms um, because mm-hmm. it really does work with the power of implication mm-hmm. but also the the distress that these children are in in the in the situation um but i think the movie is so good because it is such a hard watch yeah it makes you I uncomfortable do. yes and um, i think when when films particularly make you feel uncomfortable in this way yeah, you have to question where that's coming from. Exactly, because it, it, it this is the movie that makes you want to confront that. Yes, yes, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, the plot of this film is two young boys, um, probably between the ages of I want to say ten and tw- eleven and twelve. Maybe a little bit younger right? than that. I was like nine. Oh 10. no, no, that, I no, I don't think they were that young. Really? I don't think they were that. that I would say between ten and ten and twelve. We can do 11. I can concede with 11. So two young boys, um, Bobby and Kevin, are um, on their way to, I think it was a baseball game. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're, they're on the team. Yeah, and, they're, and that's, that's the, they're wearing the uniforms the whole time. Yeah, so they're they're playing ball in the woods, talking, you know, and playing catch. And they soon get kidnapped. And what transpires is their ordeal um in the house of the kidnapper while both trying to escape mm-hmm. and this movie came out in 2020 before the uh, pandemic or during uh during it fall okay fall. okay it premiered at fantastic fest um on the 27th of september in 2020 but it was released on shutter the following year on july 29th which is where i saw it i knew about this movie i think around the time that it premiered at fantastic fest because there was an article on it for bloody disgusting and reading the synopsis was i was just like oh my god i mm-hmm. have to see this i have to see this but um since it came out at a festival, I had to wait. But when I finally did watch it, um, 
it really it terrified me in a different way. This is something that could happen. Yes, yes. It, it, this is a movie I think firmly grounded in realism. Yeah, and in in a reality that we don't want to that we don't want to think about or you know let alone try to fathom because again along with this trope it's just like uh, the question i kept asking myself was how can someone do this Mm. how can someone do this to children let me tell you when you suggested this movie and this trope right the only thing i had seen about this movie is the poster Mm -hmm. i hadn't read an article i hadn't read a review i didn't look it up so I was like, fine, right? Because I have Shutter. I looked at it. I, but in my mind, I thought it was going to be something else entirely. I thought one of these little boys is going to have powers. I thought somebody was going to be a werewolf. <laughs> you thought you thought it was going to be a supernatural horror film. Yes, I did. I thought that one of the children was going to be possessed. Like I didn't know. And then, like they were like I. But this, the, I did not in a million years think that the plot was going to be the plot. Yeah. So I was genuinely mortified. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's a good because word for it. it mortified. Happens, like it's so fast, so quickly. <laughs> we are inundated in what's going on. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even get to be comfortable. Oh no. But I think that's also the the reality of again, it's it's um it it that is that is the work of David and Justin firmly throwing us into the fray, just like Bobby was with uh, Bobby and Kevin when they were thrown into that trunk. Um, and then when Bobby broke out, you were disoriented. You have no idea where, where you are, um, when the you characters are. are. Um, it just seems like you guys are in the, the, I would say, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, because there are no other houses in the area. It doesn't look like there's a big oil rig out front. There are woods. You're just, and it's like, um, but it looked like one of those North Carolina properties that's mm-hmm. like three acres and one Ooh. person owns all of it. It's like a farmhouse. And just how easy that is to or to be isolated disappear into. Right. Right. Because you so, can walk for, for, for what feels like forever and still yeah. be on that same property. Yeah. And so what this movie becomes is like a, a, um, a cat and mouse. Mm hmm. Th- mm-hmm. um thriller between Bobby and the captors and while trying to you know free Kevin because the movie what I think it does brilliantly is it operates as like a giant subversion what do you mean like when we when we when we get to the movie in the first like 15 minutes um bobby is able to escape his confines and the first thing he does which is like the thing that we would all do like as as a survival instinct which is escape Mm -hmm. bobby is about to be home free or whatever but then he hears kevin there's kevin screaming and then he has then he has to weigh that decision where it's just like do i escape and then you know try to bring help back or do I go back in there, get him out and leave with him? Where it's just like, I'm not leaving without my buddy, you know? Right. right. But also knowing how risky the the um second choice, the latter choice is, because the former, while safer, it's also like, do you have enough time? But who's gonna believe you? 
Oh, I didn't even factor that. So because here's here's what here's where my brain went. Bobby was left in the trunk because he was black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so there's also intersectionality, y'all. Right. Race. Aspect. Race played a huge part into why he huge. was even able to escape in the first place. Because if if I don't want black children, you could just stay in it. But this is also like the whole like Bond villain moment of like, yes, uh-huh. I'm going to feed you to my sharks, but I'm not going to wait and make sure you got eaten, blah, blah, blah. So by not <laughs> disposing of him that instant, right? She gave him an opportunity to 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 figure it out. And thank the Lord he figured it out. He escaped. But then I think a part of him weighing that decision is Kevin was his best friend. Mm-hmm. Could you live with leaving your best friend in probably the worst situation that could happen to, to the two of them? I don't think he could because the film very early on establishes that these two are close friends. Right. Like just the kind of the banter and the... The, the way in which they interact with one another. Yeah, and... there, there's like a there's a closeness there, and then um, this whole thing about um, wanting to go somewhere they've never been. Like, did he say California? Mm-hmm. And they were just imagining the beach. So it's just like, I, it would be, it would be, it's a, it, it's a, it's a moral conscious thing. Like he cannot leave. And then he also that's his, like I can tell these two um cuz they're they're close friends they love each other. Like he could not he could not just leave his 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 friend there. He couldn't do that. And so he was going to go back in there. But, but again, because of his blackness, if if he would have made it out of the would he have been believed? But how would he have got how would he have found the police? I don't know. He does where are we? Who knows? I don't know, but and who was gonna believe him when he said I was kidnapped? Because would it have helped if he said my white friend Kevin is still in the house? Because I believe that if the roles had been reversed and Kevin was left in the trunk, Kevin would have either just stayed in the trunk (laughs) or he would have left. But also that was established, I think, early on with their with their characterizations. Um Kevin and I wrote this in my notes seems the more more the out of the two of them he seems because they're both scared but he seems to be the more fragile one yo Kevin I, I got to the point where I was like Kevin you better pull your weight because uh, you're doing a whole lot of nothing <laughs> he seems to be the 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 very the fragile one and of course the one who was who was definitely victimized and Bobby is definitely scared but he's determined. Right. He got some fight. Yeah, thank you. Um, which is what the we're gonna get into all of that. So when he when he makes that decision to go back, he is entering into he's entering into different territory where um it's not enough that he has to um free Kevin. He has to avoid um the captors and everything because you can't get Kevin if you're dead. Right. And you can't get Kevin if you get caught. Right. And so, and that's why it becomes like this crazy cat and mouse game. Um, where do we, we should start somewhere because we're just kind of. We're just I think that that's a good way. setup. That's a good setup to what, to what the film is. Well, and I did call it a, I did call it a giant subversion. Do you want to start there? Sure. So the subversion, the ultimate subversion of this entire film 
is the is the reveal that Mel had to turn the movie off, Yo, put Roxy on a leash, and go for a walk around the block. I had to go outside because okay, we all know that when you think of to catch a predator, all of the right, predators, I'm Chris Hansen, right? This Chris is Hansen catch a predator. was out there catching men. Okay, he was out there bewildering and bamboozling all of these elderly male folkses <laughs> trying to be out here on the on the skeezy down low. In this movie, and to to what Jared said earlier, the way that it was shot, when we first see the kidnapper, it's just boots and jeans. And, yeah, boots, and jeans, and a coat. This, and a this coat. Big old coat. Like a Carhartt coat. Like Yeah. Very, very, very boxy. Very, I don't know how to else to say this, but very masculine. Yes, it was very like very like, rugged. Very rough. I work on a farm. I live on this farm. Here are my cowboy boots and my jacket. Even the footsteps sounded heavy. Even the clothes in the closet were non-feminine. There wasn't a, a frilly color. There wasn't a lace. There wasn't a poof. I didn't Everything even catch that. was workers' clothes. Everything. I didn't even catch that. So, so when the film um, does shots of this character, it, it you see exactly what we just described. The coat, the boots um just in the the frame of this character because they're always um when they're in the living room watching tv they are always out of focus the camera is always only focused very clearly on bobby but you only see the antagonist like in the peripheral or they're blurred and then when the 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 client or the the creep as 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 the credits say the creep his name is the creep when the creep arrives um which is going to be you know the person for for kevin um when he arrives we is it is very clear that you know he is a man Mm -hmm. that that we see his face right away but the way when they do the exchange of the money and the time limit um you still you still don't see the face of the of the kidnapper but the way that everything is set up you think that it's a man yes. you know that it's a man you know it's a man you know that it's a man um and they drive you away you want to know why because history has told me this is what men do <laughs> listen listen terrible law, oh, law and order svu you see it uh like uh to catch pre- you to see catch it all predator. The- First part, you see it all the time. So you automatically, you your Assume. mind Assumes. automatically assumes and associates this. This is a man. This is a big, scary, threatening man who is doing this. And so after what happens with the creep happens and all this stuff and um, um, the kidnapper comes back and um, he's able to now we're now um granted we are kind of running through this movie so if we're you gonna have not, bounce back and forth i think yeah because... but if you have not seen the, the boy and we'll probably put this in the uh in the promos and in the the uh description as always we recommend that you watch these movies before you listen to us just so you know what we're talking about what as happened. we bounce yeah. around <laughs> so you know bounce around bounce around bouncing but anyway um <laughs> and the police are called and show up but it was i think what I wanted to ask you, Mel, was when was the moment for you when you realized that the kidnapper was a woman? When she was talking to the police officer and I saw the scratch on her hand. 
Because I was like, does this man have a wife? What's happening? Because I've seen that. You've seen. You thought there were two people? Yes. No way. Absolutely. No, no, because no. I've seen that. I've seen on Law and Order. I have seen where a man is out here doing skeezy stuff and he got a wife kept, like capping for him, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, ain't no way. Ain't no way. This woman was out here the shining it with an axe trying to break into the bathroom. Ain't no way. No way. I never, and I would have never made that. Went to, and he knocked on the door and she turned the TV up. Right. I'm like, okay, whatever. Then this woman came, this white woman came out the door and I was like, that has to be his wife. Right. Like, or like a nurse or like, I don't know. But then when it zoomed in, on the cut on her hand, and my brain flashed back to 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 Bobby being like scoot scoot. I was like, shut up, shut, because I did not go there at all. I was like, ain't no way, this woman is out here snatching kids, and she was, and she wow. was. I was I was bamboozled. Now I'm glad they include the close of the cut because I feel like you're not the first person who would have thought that. And so that would have been the ultimate face crack. Wow. For me, um, thinking back to when I first watched it, I think it was it was the axe and then when he cut the hand. Because I'm like, there's no way that's a man hand. That it was the it was the hand, but it was the no, but it was the and it was the sound that the kidnapper made when he cut them. Because I'm like, that's a woman. I didn't put it together. I was like, that's a woman? And then when she when she's walking down the stairs, she st- the, the camera still is not framing her full body, but you see a glimpse of like her hair and you realize it's in a bun. Men have buns? Well, it, oh my goodness. <laughs> What I I'm was trying to say is, I, I knew I knew sis was fish. You had you have a, a good woman. spirit of discernment because my my little antennas was not up for that. No, I was not like, and that. then when she answered the door, but you know, no, the what the face crack for me was because mind you, this when I first watched it, uh, this was around the same time that I was watching True Blood for the first oh. time. I did not realize that was Pam. Mm-hmm. The same actress who plays Pam, um, her name is Kristen uh, Bauer Van Stratton. I didn't realize that was Pam until like halfway through the scene with the police officer. So I'm just like, I think it was her voice, maybe a little bit. But then I recognized her because Pam is so glamorous. Yeah, yeah. She always is snatched to like, oh, my God, what waste. (laughs) <laughs> and the makeup, the hair, like Pam is, Pam Together. is always giving. Yeah. Is always giving. And I felt like this was like almost similar to when Mariah Carey played Miss Weiss and Precious. Yes. I need to know about your home life. I need to know what it's like where you live. It was a completely different. Completely different transformation. And I was just like, I could not believe I was looking at Pam from True Blood as this person. Um, so Shout out to Kristen and her range. But yeah, I realized it was the woman when um when he when Bobby cut her hand. I was like, oh my God, this whole time it was a woman. But then what that does to, to the movie and the situation as a whole, I was just like, wait, wait, because, wait, wait. But that's what we were talking about earlier, right? Because 
you society you like that's what i mean expects I women to be nurturing i wrote mother. Look, look i wrote the same word in my nose i wrote nurturing i wrote protective yep. i wrote especially loving of children yes you especially you, when it comes to the kids the babies and and the scene where bobby got knocked out was so violent and it was so like non-hesitant when you realize a woman did that with no regard for anything else, I'm like, it makes wow. me think how she, how did she, it makes me think of how she got uh, Kevin. Yeah. Cause the ball rolled down the hill. Kevin went after it and, and then Kevin just didn't come back. went quiet. And so that's why Bobby went down there. But yeah, she just, she slammed him into head first into that tree and knocked him out and successfully bound and gagged two um prepubescent boys threw them in the back of her trunk dragged one of them all the way upstairs single-handedly so which which also goes to show she she is not new to this she is true True to to this i have done this before like just just turn on the tv like it was a regular sunday afternoon like nothing was happening Gave the man, uh, took the money for the man. Gave him a timer. uh, Gave him the time limit and just drove off. Came back in and turned back on the TV. Like There's a system. (laughs) There's a system in place. I go to bingo for two hours. I come back. My house is empty. Like. Just like very uh, methodological. Method. Yeah, no, you said it. Method, method, methodological. No, that one. <laughs> methodological. That's Not, the word of the no. day, kid. <laughs> Methodical. Wow. So, um, I guess I'm going to I'm gonna have to mail back my degree, no. both of them, because I just, I, I We're can't, I can't talk. People. Oh my God, what is wrong with me on Today. this day of days? Today. But yes, yeah, say the word one more time, Mel. Method. I can't say it again. Oh no! Methodical. <laughs> methodical. Methodical. So yes, very methodical. Very just like um, and which you think like you have to be because with the whole mo- all monsters are humans trope is like you look like a person, but you don't. There is something in you is missing. Something that's a something that is a key component, or even humanity itself is gone from you to be able to operate this way, to be able to do these things. Because what got me aside from like their, their, um, just how brazen this situation is, but just how, um, cool and methodical, methodical, methodical they are towards the whole thing was the movie. There were two indicators that, are three could based on like her brute force everything that um that this is a that this has happened before it was when he first found the phone in that box of of bloodied children's clothes yeah that was tough because there were so many shirts there were so many just covered in blood and it just makes you think this has happened before it was the part where she pushed the dresser out the way to the hidden safe 
and opened it up to put the wad of cash in from the creep. And it was just full of cash of money. And then we, when he found those photographs, now that, okay, yeah, the photographs, that was the one where it was just like, okay, I need to, uh, I, I think I need to pause this and take a breather for a minute here because you just, it again, it's just like, it was tough. It, it, it just reveals that not only has she not done this before, there is a whole, there's a whole market and, and community. And like, there are people like lined up for, there's an audience for that she kind is not, of stuff. Right. She has customers, loyal yes. customers that come and back. Is, and is not running out of um, money or a line or demand anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just so, it was just so disturbing just to know, like, you know, the, and, and, and I, and that's what the movie does so well, where it doesn't have to be gory. Um, it doesn't have to be, um, like, um, how do I say outlandish or, 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 um, um, succinct, Over the top. Or sensational. sensational yeah. to do, to be effective because, those photographs, those stacks of money, and all those bloodied clothes. Just it like enough. it was, yeah, it, it was enough. just, yes. Because again, something has to be missing from this human being. They they look like a human being, but they they, they can't be a human being for them to do this stuff. And then that was even uh, drove um, further home in the character of the creep. This is a man who, if you passed him in the supermarket, you would never guess that he would be going to this house in the middle of nowhere, paying this seedy woman to go into this bedroom with this innocent child. Right. And you could hear it in his voice where he's just like, why are you looking at me like that? Stop looking at me like that. Stop crying. Like, the the character was played by the actor uh, Mika... Hoptman, who I just want to shout out as performing very well because he and he was aptly named the creep because he really did creep me the fuck out because it's just <laughs> like I mean this this was the and the way he was dressed like you would never think he's just just this but again right we we have this picture in our mind of men who do stuff like that are like overweight and what did you say picture in my mind mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> are like overweight and gross and have patchy beards and like thick glasses and look disgusting and are socially inept and like you know what i mean like we we have this picture because you you have to think that someone who could do something this terrible has Has to to visually look look different than the rest of us that are are walking around going to work being normal right? right because that's abnormal behavior and it makes it worse when someone who you think you would have a conversation with, get a cup of coffee, coffee with, go to work with, can do something like that and you not know before everyone else. And you know what else? Hmm. That man was married. Shut up. You didn't see that? You didn't see that gold band on his finger? It was <gasps> right there. And exactly. 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 That man was married, which means he had a whole, I'm pretty sure he was 
heterosexual, but he had a whole wife at the house, probably lived in suburbia somewhere, um, married, it looked well to do, especially having that amount of money just to, I don't know. To give but, in cash? Yeah. Yes. That's a lot of money. That was a lot, girl. So it's just like. But the cash, the time to travel. Yeah. The excuse Which means he to can, be he gone can for craftily, hours. Exactly. He can craftily do this. Yeah, like the fact, yeah, and the fact is, so he's he looks like he's just this maybe regular, well-off white man who was married. And the fact that, which just tells the show, like, again, secret lives. You would never think. Now, yeah. now this, this, now his wife is just going to be sitting at home wondering where the fuck she is never going to find. Oh, no, she will because, you know, at the end. The cops going to come. The, oh, yeah, it's going to Oh, her whole life is gonna be torn asunder. Because mm-hmm. especially like, after Bobby tells them what happened. Oh, because Bobby will tell, and so will Kevin. So yeah, it was just like this whole thing where it's just like this man has a whole probably like well-to-do life outside of this that you would never associate. Like two different worlds, and what does that mean that he's able to walk between both in the way he does without any um contest right and how dangerous that is because he was even trying to use that same because oh my god this in that film this film had so many like um jarring like um memorable and effective shots like that part where kevin is um sorry where uh bobby is in the hallway and he turns it's like a jump scare because the creep is at the other end of mm-hmm. the hallway, just standing there and looking at him. And the way it was lit, the way it was framed, like your heart just starts racing. You yeah. feel like you're you feel like you're Bobby at the moment because you just got caught. And Bobby just runs. Um, but the creep is like not even running. He's just like trying to, he's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. Come out. Like, yeah, because he's like, trying to use the way that he is perceived exactly. as an asset. Exactly. He was trying to use reasoning. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily at at, like at first being antagonistic towards Bobby or anything like that. He was trying to reason with them, presumably to get close to him. So then he could snatch him up. Probably pounce. Right. Because his aggression didn't start to show until Bobby started attacking him. No. First. Because remember when Bobby found the vent. And he was the guy, the creep was upstairs talking to Kevin. He, well, got he did run down then. to see what was, yeah. But he was like, it's okay, you don't have to cry, it's okay, it's okay. And then he got annoyed, and he's like, stop crying. And then, yeah, then I think he, yeah, yeah, okay. So Kevin, I, I mean, Kevin, Kevin, Bobby, I think, even, I mean, he already knew. Yeah. Because he saw the money transfer and all of that. He knew stuff, what the right? game was. But and he then already, him being, yeah. I've seen, I've seen you. <laughs> I've heard you. <laughs> I know, I know what your game, game is. Right. I know what your game is. And so it wasn't, but it was in the kitchen when things reached a fear of pitch because that's when he actually got injured enough to draw blood. And then he said, you know, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Huh? The, it gets, I think as an abuser. And if I'm wrong, I need someone to tell me that I'm wrong, but I, I, can guess that as an abuser you believe the 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 person and the type of people that you abuse are not strong enough to do anything to stop your abuse right mm-hmm. 
And I think especially someone who takes advantage of children, it's children are already right. It's a power dynamic. I'm an adult. You're a child in every other cir- circumstance. that is also not this right. When you're mm-hmm. trying to discipline a kid, I'm the adult. You're the kid. You have to listen to me. And I think that that is amplified specifically in this in this environment of running away from me in a house, uh-huh. a house that presumably the creep has been in before. Uh, a house that he knows the layout of and that he knows there is no immediate outside source of assistance. Mm-hmm. So there's there's another power dynamic on top of that, on top of the like adult child. I'm an abuser. You're the type of person I, I normally abuse. Right. Of I have an understanding of this environment that you don't have. Yeah. Like I know how this is going to end even with your scurrying and your knife, right? It's like, I think that was also the position that he was coming from. Yeah, because he was able to shut the door right when he opened it and then cornered Kevin in the, I'm sorry, cornered Bobby in the kitchen. Um, and then he's like, again, where are you going to go? Yeah, and then Taunton, like, um, what are you going to do with that? And, but it was also amplified, that dynamic, that power dynamic was also amplified on both sides because Bobby, bless him, apologized. Yeah. I when he went after after he so got uncomfortable. Oh, it was because it's just like, you know, it's just like as a child, you don't want to be disrespectful. And then and it's and you're panicking and just all this stuff. And I think also maybe it has to do with um how he was raised or just how or just childhood innocence in general. But when he apologized, because he apologized and he was when he, when he, he, yeah, he was, he apologized when the creep cut himself on the knife. Yep. Or no, or no when he cut him with the knife. Yep. And he also apologized when after, you know, falling and bumping his son on the table, he sat up, but Bobby was still on the knife and it stabbed him. He also apologized then too. And it's just like, and it's so sad because it's just like, Honey, you have nothing to apologize for. Like you are, you are, you are in danger. You're this right. is defense. You're trying to protect yourself, right? But just like you revert back to the adult child dynamic, where it's just it's the it's like an automatic thing to do to apologize mm-hmm. when you do something wrong towards an adult, even if that adult is actively like, trying to harm you. Yes. So, and I and that and. again it's designed to make you uncomfortable because it's just like no you're you're not it oh it's just and it's so fucked up it's just so fucked up like you have nothing to apologize for but it's just like a knee-jerk reaction a natural thing to do um in an unnatural moment Mm -hmm. um but that that's the other moment that i wanted to talk about too in terms of like i got mad at kevin because i was like kevin pull your weight because bobby went through so many other things throughout the duration of this film. Because I think I assumed that once Bobby made the noise and the creep came down, that nothing happened to Kevin. Like Kevin was, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that anything, um, uh, sexually happened to right. Kevin. Kevin was also think- like physically abused. That's like, what I was going to say. Punched, he was punched. He, he was knocked out. Like was, all that stuff. Was, yeah, he was. He was definitely. He was hit by the creep for crying, and then he was beat by 
the um, kidnapper by Mrs. by Miss Burton when um she was demanding to know where Bobby was, and, and then also when she put thing. the shot collar on him. Yeah. But so Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Bobby, in his attempt to get to Kevin, was killed a man, which is a lot already. Beat up, shot, cut his hand. There's like there was a lot happening. <laughs> Kevin had to fix. He was like it was like a video game. He was out there collecting keys and trying to find the items. I was like, dang, Bobby. Because like he Bobby really had to figure out how to stay hidden, how to move in this house, and how to find out or how to in the moment decide if something was important enough for him to take. Right. What really got me though was the um, and this is like showing our age a little bit, but whatever. I love it because um, I I love that era. Um, the phone. The oh, he didn't know phone. how to use the rotary phone, and he and he didn't realize because I don't think because they're at that age where they were probably born in like twenty. Because uh, if this came out in 2020, they were probably um, born in 2010. Or yeah, 20, between 2008 and, and 2010. So um, they would not know what a house phone or landline. Oh yeah, my grandma has one of those. You have to plug it into the wall. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's like, it's like, it's like a, a internet cable. Um, and I thought that was real, even even in all the horror situations, I thought that was a really cute, innocent moment. Um, and I liked how it actually worked. Um, but you're right, he had to find out like what to use and how to use it and like if it was going to be if it was going to serve him properly. So because that's the one thing you always hate in a game where you're running around and you're like, eh, I don't have room for it, I'll leave it, and then you realize you need it after so i was just like dang but yeah bobby bobby had to do a lot of work not only like survival work but also try to plan their future escape yeah but i think um kevin um redeemed himself if, the if there was if there was any need for redemption or pulled his weight when he effectively got shocked enough times to almost probably almost kill himself um to get down to kevin who was by the garage to then clip the shot collar off himself because he was immediately out of range when he started going downstairs yeah yeah so after so after the landing he starts going downstairs he's he gets out of range and he gets shocked like each what like i want to say was it on it was it time or was it like so each couple steps i think every I don't know. It's it's not by the step. I think that the collar just knows to shock you once you're out of a range. So it just like every I don't know how it's, it's probably like a timed thing. Maybe every ten seconds. It's just gonna to try so to get you is, to go back. So is he he is getting because he has to go from um the second floor of the house all the way to outside to the garage. So he effectively does get it and he gets he makes it to he makes it to Bobby and is able to be the person for Bobby to kind of rouse him up and get him going again because Bobby Bobby was that person for, because Bobby was that person for Kevin through the vent. Yeah. Where he's like, you got like, I'm going to get you out. Like, and they were, and I both love how in the, in throughout the whole movie, they were helping each other. Yeah. They were a really big support system for one another. It was a really 
good testament and display of their friendship and of their closeness and of their partnership of being like, I got you. We got each other. I'm not leaving you. You're not going without me. All the, you know, all the things. Because the ending of the movie was so beautiful because they're both um, presumably on a beach in California somewhere. Can I say together though, that one of my critiques is the way in which the editing was done? Because I didn't like the intercutting of the beach before we got there. Of the water and the sand and like that whole moment. Oh, did moment. you think it would kind of spoil the moment at the but end? But I thought it was too much. I'm like, are we are we flashing backwards? In are, are is this is this a illusion? Is this a dream? Is this a, a memory? Are we going into the future? Like it didn't serve. It didn't do the. It didn't serve anything. I feel like I think it was just unnecessary filler, in in whatever moment they were trying to fill up. I think it served as motivation. I think it served as them being able to see a future to fight for outside of this. Because it the my favorite use of when they used the beach with the back and forth was when Bobby escaped the trunk and was about to leave the property, he thought about Kevin and it was that shot, those shots of Kevin turning towards the camera but it would be him like in this dark room in his present state versus him on the beach to like the the very like dusky um peaceful lighting and that just made me think like because before they got kidnapped they did say like let's go to california together like they promised each other so that was that was Bobby effectively um, keeping his promise. And I felt like the beach was like, it, it served as a, uh, a metaphorical, which became a realistic, like a, re- a real live but then fulfilled I, but goal. I didn't, but, then it, but it was the same. The, the actual beach was the same lighting, tone, everything. Oh, you're saying if it was, okay. Beach. Okay. I wish that there would have been a different moment of them, of, of, like a Thelma and Louise, we're in the car, we get to the beach together. And I get that would have had to like involve some other things, but the fact that it was just the same clips, uh-huh. it was it was difficult for me to differentiate what is this still a dream or do we actually get there? Oh, I see what you mean. I I think that now that you say that, I think the ending was real, that they actually did make it to California. Mm. But then based on what you just said, it also could have been metaphor- metaphorical, metaphorical where because they escaped and they made it, um, them being on the beach was fulfilled. Like they they escaped, so they made it to the, I'm using air quotes, they made it to the beach. Do you know the what I mean? The beach was escaping, yeah. Yeah. So I, and because that's what a beach is. Escape. Like, cause what, what, what do you think? What, what? That's why when that's why like the universal symbol for vacation is what a palm tree. And then where'd you where'd you, you go for it. vacation? Oh, I went to the I'm island. Gonna, you know, like I'm gonna let you have it. You got it. I'm gonna let you. Okay, have it. okay. Because <laughs> hey, I, I thought I was like, are you following? Are you following? I got me? you. I got you. All right, you got me. So, um, what else here? I think um, while we're in the mode of critiques, the only other critique that I had was 
I expected Bobby and Kevin to make poor decisions because they are children in a very uh, well, stressful situation, right? Do you think they didn't make enough poor decisions? No, they made like when um, I think a, a, a per- blah, 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 if I could speak. A perfect example of this is I feel like every time Bobby had the one up over Mrs. Burton, he didn't take it as far as he needed to take it. Thank like, you so much. I'm so glad you said this because for me, that bitch did not get it enough. Right. I'm like, but if, if I got you down here, I'm going to do some other things. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to hit you a couple. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Or I'm gonna it's, be a, it's like at this enough. point, you, you're you trying to end me. This is life or death. Right. And if I got the upper hand, I got to take it because I know you will. Right. You're trying to kill me. But I, and I mean, like basic things like the scene where he handcuffed her to the pipe. He didn't even kick the gun away. Oh, yes. Yes. It, I believe that. I believe I thought that the first time I watched it, too, where it's just like there's no reason there's no right reason she should have been able to still get the gun and shoot him. And then because that's he got shot in the leg. Right. Poor baby. And and yes. And yes, he did, you know, um, cut her finger off. And that was very satisfying. But at the same time, it wasn't enough for me. No. Like when when he when he was able to knock her so hard that he was able to handcuff her. Right. I'm like, OK, that's good. But honestly, and fuck it. This is life or death. Um, he could have bludgeoned her. We could have um, done a whole bunch of other things. I would have picked I, up the and gun, same, shot and her, same, done And honestly, same for Kevin with the taser. Yes. Talking about how does it feel? But why are you tasing her in her damn abdomen? Tase her in the neck, and then you drop the taser. Oh it's my the only god! Weapon I was y'all so- had. And again, maybe it has to do with the fact that, you know, these the childhood innocence and and all these things. But I'm just like, baby, you grow now. This is life or death. I was look, I was uh, she just she didn't get enough for me Um, because she Miss Burton. When it is, I think it should have been done for Miss Burton with the handcuff moment. There's no rhyme. There's no reasoning. There's no she showed you who she was. Right. what did Miss Angelou keep telling us? Right then and what there. What did Miss Angelou say? When someone shows you who they are, believe them. The first time. So when she's saying all this shit where it's just like, um, you were supposed to suffocate in that trunk. And um, I have guys who uh, usually like the ones that fight in them, but they don't go. They usually don't go for ones like you. But we can make an you- exception talking about because because and what she and back to our intersectionality about race she was saying because he was black but then my question when she said that is why take him what'd you take him for because he didn't see you you snuck up behind this little boy and smacked his head into a tree you could have left him there it would have still raised suspicions though she had to she had to if she no loose ends mel (laughs) no loose ends if he knows that if he shows up to this game without his friend, if if he knows it's up now to his friend, he was just there a sudden go, now he's not, this could this could fall back on me. This could raise suspicion. So you know what? They both gotta go. I guess. So no loose in Miss Burton was like, no loose ends. And so when she's like, um, you know, they usually don't go for ones like you, she was saying they don't go for black boys. Yep. Yep. And yep. just and just thinking like oh and just how oh my god it, they're the it's just so gross to think about it's just so gross to think about and then 
when she said that um if why don't you like when she was trying to barter with him saying why don't you uh trade yourself for your friend which was wild just and also like, made me that made me think kevin was dead i'm just like what the f-, you know and i'm just like based on all this i'm like kevin i'm sorry i'm like bobby yo i'm i'm gonna need i'm gonna need you to finish her because it really i like miss burton was miss burton was a nasty piece of work because i when i say that um officer stewart didn't deserve any of that can okay can we talk about that death for a moment because there was there was a moment where i'm like okay this is just a thriller right because up until that point we were just suspenseful which was fine i was like okay cool I'm, i'm into the rhythm of this but when he walked into that house yep yeah. First of all, could, I was like, you, you could feel you could feel a shift happen. Yeah, because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had his hand on the holster the whole time, but nah. But this well, is he why did, he should have left and called back up. But this is why I but I think that it is a lie that them folks did not watch people under the stairs. Because in people under the stairs, from the beginning of that film, once Ving Rhames and I don't remember the little boy's name right now. Get into <laughs> that house. You have an understanding that it is in. It is highly unlikely that they will get out. Uh huh. Right, because that is the structure of the the doom of this house. Once you enter, you do not leave. Uh huh. And uh-huh. this is that. Once you once oh, you full. cross you the talk threshold, about full. Thank you. But once you cross the threshold of this home. You cannot just willingly walk out. And that's what I felt when he walked in. Because when she didn't come back, I'm just like, sir, don't walk in. If anything, go back to your car, call for back. Like, do so. Just don't go in that house. Anything. Because even though he had his hand on his holster the whole time, you're still in, you're in, you're in her territory now. But this goes back into racial perception. A white, uh, a white white woman. Is this, is this. It's just like, because that 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 also fed into why I thought it was her husband. Because he's like, "Where's Mister Burton?" I'm like, "Yeah, where's Mister Burton?" But she said, "No, it's just because what and what got me was this is again her using society's perception of herself to her advantage because um, this Nobody is just she just thought lo- that she was going to be a problem. But no, she said when when he says. Where is where is um is there a Mr. Burton or where is Mr. Burton? And she she says she gets all like coy like, are you making are, a pass? Are you coming? At me, at, are you coming, officer? Mm-hmm. He would and oh my god, to his credit and bless him, Stewart was so fucking over it. He was like he no. would, he almost it looked like he almost <laughs> rolled his eyes. He's like, he was girl, like, no, bye. <laughs> like no, ma'am, I am not. I'm not. Um, thanks though. But Appreciate and, that, and that, that's what got me though because he wasn't he wasn't fallen for it he saw the cut on her hand he kind of knew some he knew some fuck shit was going on but he didn't know exactly what so that's what made it kind of like um detrimental when he went into the house and then when you hear those quick shuffle steps come down the stairs and he sees bobby and realizes that's the kid who he was like, His reaction time was too slow. It was entirely oh my God, too slow. It was too slow. It was too slow. If this was Smash Brothers, it was a KO. 
Yeah, he got Mel, you didn't, Mel, you didn't react fast enough. Now you lost. <laughs> Brandon wins. Brandon wins. <laughs> you know, he so, won't play with me because he's like, it, it, playing with you is not a challenge. <laughs> it just hurt my heart. I was like, I know I'm not good at this game. <laughs> he's saying you have to, he's saying you have to get good. <laughs> That's what he's saying. But you'll get there, Mel. It's just you just gotta practice. You gotta love it. You'll get there. Yeah, um, play with the computers on level nine. You'll learn. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, what and also what got me though was two two little two things about the movie. Uh, I don't know if you would call them um um goofs or 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 um or like whatever. I don't um but how did Bobby from where he was on the stairs not see Miss Burton with the axe by the entryway of where yeah, the police was. Yeah, because he had a he. Yeah, he should have seen her coming. But I think that we can we can we can. I think because he's a child, I'll give him a pass. Uh huh. Because he's been trying to escape, and you know you're taught you call the police, the police to come, the police will save you, right? Just a just a beacon of I'm saved. So he zoned in. I think he tunnel vision. Tunnel visioned, yeah. And he's like, "You have to help us." And then before he could zoom back out, she just came and said, "Wha?" Yeah. Because I was not prepared for him to get gutted. I was not. It, it hurt me. It hurt me so bad because, like the the sound he made in his face. But when he that's saw that. When- I I knew Homegirl was already like the villain, but when she, with no emotion, pulled the axe from up out of this man and then picked up his gun, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> we you different? <laughs> yeah, this is different. This yeah. is woo, you, Corella Deville, and you are rounding up these dogs and skinning them alive. Like, yeah, yeah, woo. like this is business prepared. for her. She got shit to do. Like." Try to get back to watch her show. But I think uh, maybe that's that's the other thing I didn't understand. Because for the most part, when we have a real world baddie, like villain, right, that does really terrible things, and it gets to the point where the outside world has come in and is like undoing the thing, right? You, I have created this space to be able to do these terrible things and not get caught. Because she's been going for years, we can assume, of doing this same routine with from her home. Uh-huh. What does killing what does killing the police officer do? Because there's no way that you can explain that away. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think of that. So are we I I'm I was wondering, like I get the motivation behind trying to kill the kids, right? No, no, no loose ends, yada yada. But now you have a dead husband in your backyard uh-huh. that uh-huh. his car, even though it rolled away, is still someplace in your neighborhood uh-huh. that you have to get rid of, uh-huh. get rid of the, the, the bodies of the two children. And how do you ex- explain away the cop? Because there's no way you can. How far can your white you. woman get Go. you? How far right. can, can your white woman have get you? What can I don't do? think I don't think that far. Dead cop? I don't think that far. Because what do you do with the police? With the police car? All police cars have GPS. Are marked and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they called it in. They sent him over there. Right. 
So there, someone's gonna come looking. That's exactly because that's exactly. Oh wait, no. The reason the reason why how they got the other officer who finally got her down was they intercepted the radio. Yeah, they did the radio thing. Yeah, but that was the other confusing thing because even though he went in the house by himself, it's usually like Kirk, Kirk, like chirp, chirp. I'm going into. 3570 yeah. Johnson Road. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. check he in did, in five minutes. He didn't follow, maybe he didn't follow the protocol. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, because he didn't think it was going to take that long. Remember, he was like, can we hurry this up? Or, you know. Yeah. Can you just come with your documents, please? Right. <laughs> I need your papers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when she killed the cop, that didn't, I think that was, that was something that was going to work against her in the long run or, or probably very short run because it's like, if he doesn't report back in at a certain amount of time, they're probably going to, you know, sit, they're going to get suspicious. So, yeah, I don't know what her plan was, but because she lived such a, I don't know, low key life, because you see, uh, none of that money was in the bank, but there was loads of it. And the fact that it doesn't seem that she's going to have, um, like a shortage of it but she's not living lavish though she ha- right. but she has the perfect operation the perfect place the perfect base why would she do more because if she did more all it would do is draw attention to herself and you can't draw attention because like the 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 safe thing was smart right because you can't just deposit all that cash because the government's gonna be like well where did it come from and they will all and then also isn't there like a uh there's a limit for how much you can do a day mm-hmm. before they flag it They'll but it's like, like when you If you, she has to have a job, right? If she gets paid thirteen dollars an hour and then all, just magically deposits six grand, girl, where did you get this from? Yeah, I don't think she has a bank account like that, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, you're it just so yeah, I, I see how that could be something you have a problem with because like how in the long and short of it does uh you murdering a police officer fit into you being able to run this operation another goof that got me was how in the hell would just a wet towel or wet rag did he clean he up able to mel i didn't see any comet i didn't see any bleach nope. i didn't see any fabuloso i didn't see any um what is the lysol um is it what what's the other one he didn't even um, use dawn dish soap he just got dawn, a rag oh my god dawn the 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 soap that is the same soap that be um cleaning the oil off the little ducks off little duckies like he just where took was a rag that and and mooshed it around that that there is no way that floor should have been clean. spotless no, like ain't no he way. had the like he had a bucket and a mop like no he had a rag ain't no way so yeah, I don't. So that was something that really got it because he it, he cleaned it up so fast. She it. I don't even care if she didn't. Look, you would still notice like that there was something. It was it was white on it the was floor. White tile, right? Mel. I didn't see any. Like I said, I didn't see any bleach. Like oh, but that's another thing. If he used bleach, she would smell that. She would have smelled it. It's just like there was no. So the thought process behind that scene was stupid. That was a big goof for me. But there that, was that another. Didn't... But the whole the, him moving the body was a whole goof because ain't no way an eleven year old boy can move dead weight. That man was a full grown man. He had to be at least two hundred pounds. One, one, no, 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 no. By his frame, I would say between one sixty a buck one seventy five. Ain't no way an eleven year old picking up one hundred seventy five pounds a dead weight and and pushing it down a flight of stairs. There's no way. 
are it, like there's no there's I cannot conceive that in my mind. Adrenaline. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. But it was it was I don't. Th- so those were two. Those are things. So I'm just like, uh, how do we get here? Because I don't believe it. Yeah. How do we? Nobody's supposed believe. to be here. Nobody's yet, supposed how, to be how, here. How? How? Um. But yeah, I just I I I really do like like the boy behind the door. Um. But it is again, it is a very very hard watch. And, but that is one of the but it's things that makes watch, the film so good. In part because you automatically want to protect these children. You do. And then as a you black do. person watching this, I am like, I want to cover Bobby in the cloth, the sheet, like all of the things. <laughs> the cloth. <laughs> Everything I could cover that little boy in. I'm like, no, baby, no. And it's hard to it's specifically hard to watch bobby have to maneuver yes because we've we've now killed someone we've disposed of their body we've cleaned up the blood and we are the main goal is still to get to kevin Mm -hmm. we can't even save ourselves until we save kevin which is why when Mm -hmm. he when she shot him in the leg he he, yeah still trying to figure it out right and when she dug into the bullet hole to the point where he had to, where he passed out and was like, I can't make it. I got to the point where, because when he told Kevin to leave, I was like, little boy, if you leave him, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> okay. Right. Like after all he done went through, no, you better tell him to shut the fuck up and you ain't going nowhere. And I'm glad that that's what he did. Exactly. Thank because you, again, the movie was very good at um, establishing or reaffirming that these two are like this. Like they're not going, they're not leaving um the other behind at all like fuck that um, Wait, right we're all in this together <laughs> okay high school musical um, there is never not a moment where i can't like where i can reference that and it doesn't work lord jesus <laughs> uh-uh. um i did yeah i just i really like this film i i i think the cast did um a phenomenal job like shout out to um, young Lonnie Chavis and Ezra Dewey, who played Bobby and Kevin, respectively. Lonnie also played young Randall in um, This Is Us. This Is Us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's. That's, I was like, I recognize him, and that's where it was from. Yeah, he's 15. And so that I would guess that, um, at, well, at the time of this movie, he was probably, because that was almost three years ago. So he was like 12, maybe? Yeah, that's right. He so hasn't I'm done guessing... anything since. I'm guessing Ezra was the same age. Um, he might, he might have, st- he might be about to do stuff. Oh, let's hope because his IMDb page says otherwise. Oh no! Oh, I want to. I definitely want to see him in more. I do. I think he. I think. I feel like he. You know, I feel I want to see him in Storm Reed casting something as siblings. Hmm, that's good casting. The big sister, little brother. I see mm-hmm. it. I see it. But uh, I want to see him in more stuff because I feel like based on that, because this was such hard thematic material, and I feel like he really rose the occasion. Both him and Ezra did, and I, I would love to see them in more stuff. If if acting is something he still wants um, to do, th- yeah, he or both of them still want to do. I would love to see him in more stuff. 
um, and the adult cast, you know, again, uh, Kristen, Mika, and then Scott Michael Foster, who played Officer Stewart, did um, great jobs as well. But- I still just don't think that the kidnapper was written intelligently because the, the series of decisions that she made were not smart. But I think that just goes to show, like, that's what happens when a monster is revealed and things start not going according to plan things like things get out of control like um that's when things start to unravel for them and because they become unhinged and unbalanced and just like very brash and because you saw how calm everything was beforehand but then when 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 bobby keeps besting her that's when she keeps becoming more and more like yeah you know what i mean yeah like like very very grip yeah like very messy in terms of um not only behavior but emotion yeah just like instead of doing this the smart way you're just doing this in a way where it's just like i'm going to kill you like right, you are because both you've going annoyed to me. die right. right right so i i think that that was on purpose mm. like bobby and and then kevin later have fucked up things so much to where you know like y'all got me like i wish she would have said this i wish she would have said this is your fault after she killed the cop after she killed officer stewart i wish she would have looked at um bobby and said he died because because of you you." Mm -hmm. i feel like i've seen that and i feel like i've seen that in another movie before i know i have i can't think of what it was or a show but where they where because the 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 rescue gets killed and then the the killer. I mean, that's blames. a common thing that yeah, that's a common thing that happens. But I think that that also happened in the people under the stairs. Oh, he, what they died because the, the 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 crazy people who own the funeral home blamed the the children for everything. These oh. are because of the decisions that you the, these actions are because of the decisions that you made. Oh, okay. look what you made me do. He died because of you. So I thought she was going to use that line. I think that would have really been another. Like that would have been a, a psychological tool um in her arsenal because I know that would have probably fucked Bobby up because that was his rescue. That was both his and Kevin's rescue. Right. And not only his rescue, um, it failed, but it's it's gone. It's killed. It yeah, just so And he called I think, them. Yeah. So I think um if there was anything that seemed like it was unintelligent or uninformed or or whatever, I think that was um on purpose because that's that was the direct result of kevin and bobby both now being you know out of her control she's lost control of the situation now she's kind of lost control of Of herself yeah which ended up getting her shot down and also to the um she didn't get shot enough for me i needed a headshot in there that i think and i'm trying to, (laughs) to separate it right because it's not a slasher it's not a slasher. It, yeah, it's, it's not, not a slasher. You're right. It's not. It's not, not a slasher. It's not. But it just ended so abruptly to me. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was coming. I'm not saying she needs to rise up for one last scare. I'm just saying. No, but like, usually, I don't think she got enough for me. But like, Lori Strode, right, had to fight Michael Myers. We was running through the house. She stabbed him with a hanger. We running through. He cut her. She pushed him. Da, 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 da. Until that last moment, she stabbed him with a, like a knitting needle. Like all of these back and forth, tit for thing, physical things had to happen between the two of them 
before someone finally came out the other side, right? And I think that this big cat and mouse game was really between her and Bobby and they were going back and forth for a little while and then Kevin came in, whatever, whatever. But then it gets to this final moment where the kids have given up because... Yeah, if they look at each other and everything. There was one moment where I thought he was grimacing, but I thought Bobby smiled at Kevin right before the she was going to stab him with come the down. yeah. Right. And then she's just, just like shot. that's it. Yeah. I think that that was was an unsatisfying end. Because in if if it was any other circumstance and like Bobby and and Kevin were adults, they would have killed her and then the police would have come after. Yeah, but they're not adults. They're kids. Yeah, I know that, but still. Yeah. Still. <laughs> what are we what are we what are we doing? What are we saying? What are we doing? What are we saying? Um so yes, um that was the boy behind the door, um, directed and written by David um Charbonnier and Justin Powell. Um and I is this still available on Shutter? I don't it know. Is. I don't think so. Is it? It is. Okay, so this is available to screen. Uh, scream. This is available to stream Stream. on Shutter if you would like to take a look. And remember, as we said with our trigger warning at the beginning, this is a this is a very this film is not um a easy or comfortable watch. It does um cover some uh jarring and disturbing topics Mm -hmm. dealing with children. Um, but it just goes to show you know like the this unfortunately unfortunately these things are real they do happen um and it's it's just you know um um monsters um can All monsters be human. Are human yeah okay uh any any final curls for you mel where we go yeah so we were sent a short film we were um that we wanted to talk about really really quickly uh-huh uh it's called rancid cargo yes it is a kind of like a fanfic film <laughs> if that makes any sense no these they do these all the time okay stuff. um it's so it's a fanfic film of the of the video game dead space uh, I don't know if any of y'all have you played this game, Jared? No, because you know I just recently got into the whole Sony, um, PlayStation stuff. Um, I think in 2021, that's when I that's when I bought my PS4. Mm. Um, so Dead Space came out. Um, the original came out like almost what was it? 20 years? It's a it was 2008, on. I think. Let's see. Hold on. Uh yeah, Dead Space came out in 2008, but they recently did a uh is it a remake or a reboot? Uh yeah, they did a remake of the a first remake. game that came out on the 27th of January this year. So, but it's a it's a sci-fi um survival game. I think the tagline is only the dead survive. Uh-huh. So, very like alien but first person you're in space. Boo. <laughs> um Overall, though, so Rancid Cargo, it's about 15 minutes. Um, It's solid. It's a solid watch. I think you should go watch it. It's on YouTube. We'll link it in the show notes. 
or, or and send it out in the newsletter this week. Um, the acting is a little wanting for more, but the visuals, the visual effects, the cinematography, the lighting is phenomenal. Like, fun, especially for a short, phenomenal. Phenomenal. And the story just, is, is solid, too. It just makes me want to get on another set with Cinder. Right. And Cinder just be and in Jesse. that world. It just makes me want to create. Through. It was it was very visually pleasing. Like, I really like the effects. And um, like I said, I've never played Dead Space before. But I feel like uh, it was a very good, like, it, it puts you in that world, you know. But you don't have to have an understanding of Dead Space to get into this, to this short. I would agree. Yeah. The yeah, plot is agree. strong enough to where you're, you're kind of inundated with these characters and the mission because it's something that we're familiar with. So we can kind of get into it. Yeah. So I really liked it. Um, and I got mad at them because the way that it ended, um, I, I thought I wanted more. I wanted, I want, cause I, I, I was like, y'all can't just end it here. It was just getting to like the the good uh, part. Yeah, because it it landed on a cliffhanger, and I got yeah. mad because I'm just like, excuse me, I was not done with the story <laughs> yet. So I if they I hope they do another one or continue it, um, because I think they they had you know su- support from like a Kickstarter. So yeah, if they, they do did. another one. I hope that it's successful. But I would I need I wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, when he got deeper into um, the area they were in, because it, I'm like, yo, like, this is obviously a, this is, this is not like, why would you go in there? Like, don't go in there. Don't go in in there, there, girl. And he went in there. Don't go down there, girl. And he went in there. So I'm I'm like, I wanted to see what was going to happen next. But yeah, I think, yeah, cheers to, cheers to. um, Because also the props, and the makeup and the special effects and the practical effects were very, very solid. Like, you know, shorts sometimes I think get a bad rap when you think about what they are. Um, but the amount of work that goes into them is the same amount of work. And I think that this team, and from what I see, it's a small team, did a, did a really phenomenal job of, of pulling off this movie. So yeah, cheers to um, Eric Houston and Tom Hall, who, you know, are the directors, writers, and producers of this. Um you guys really did a good job with this and it was it was very inspiring um because you know it just makes me want to create and it really makes me want to play dead space now and i just think that it was a like mel said even if you've never played dead space before i think it is a good it, it does a good job of uh of encapsulating that world and and um, illustrating it for like the people who aren't familiar with the source material, because it was very easy for me to get. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Not I already. I already said engrossed earlier, but I know that's not the word that I wanted to use. But it made it really easy for me to not just not the word either, but absorbed into this world that that is dead space. Yeah, you could feel like a part of it. Yeah. And not have like that that background of playing the game or and, and all of the, yeah. all of those other things. If I could speak today, <laughs> so if you guys haven't 
seen it or if you guys are in the mood for a new uh short which is it's a, and it's a good short it's only uh it's only um 15 minutes yeah like 15 hold on yeah it's 14 minutes 14 minutes and eight seconds um it's on youtube rancid cargo a dead space fan film uh fan film is gonna be fun so hey i say check it out we support creatives yeah go team do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, that was all for me. So that was it for this episode of Scary Crit. And um, yes, we will see you guys next week. See you in the future, podcast people. Ah!